seriously popular. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello and welcome to the weekly ice bath that goes by the name of the It's All Kicking Off weekend preview show. FA Cup weekend coming up. Tottenham versus Man City on Friday. Repeat of the 1981 FA Cup final. Uh, Big Anne's Postacoglu has fond memories of that game. We'll get to that in a minute. First of all, Chris, um, Spurs got away with Postacoglu's brand of suicide football in that three-all draw at the Etihad before Christmas. There's absolutely, there's absolutely no way he can get away with it again on Friday night, is it? Uh, I think if you look at Spurs' uh, home record against Manchester City in recent times, there's absolutely every reason to believe that uh, that they can they can take Manchester City down. I don't think they will mind. I think Son is such a big player for them. Richarlison sort of coming to the fore. Um, but look, we've been through Ange Postacoglu's brand of football. He sees the game differently to most um, Premier League managers. I think what he's done at Tottenham has been pretty remarkable and. I love watching any team that goes at Manchester City and has the bravery to do that. You don't. Yeah, I'm just poking you a little bit there. But I think there is there is something in it. I was, I was listening to Gary Neville talk the other day, uh, former for, a Premier League fullback, obviously. Gary was saying that he has actually, he thinks that he's spotted um, a little change in the way that um, Postacoglu has been approaching his games. He thinks the fullbacks are actually not quite being as kind of brave and adventurous as they were at the start of the season. He thinks he's just kind of pulled them back a little bit in the formation just to give themselves a little bit more solidity. Have you have you seen that or is, just, is that just kind of over-analysing the man you shine? Yeah, I think possibly overanalyzing. I'm not going to dispute, uh, you know, what Gary Neville says, but I think I think uh, you know Ange Postecoglou, um, you know, is always stuck to his guns, and I think it may be horses for courses against certain teams. He can be a little bit more more cautious and aware of uh, you know counter attack on them. So I think that's that's the case. But I think if you look at, for example, Pedro Porro's numbers. Uh, this season and him getting forward, uh, I wouldn't have thought that has changed too much. The great thing about this game is how exciting it feels head- heading into it. And that says everything, I think, for not just for the ongoing importance of the FA Cup, but it says everything for what's happened at Tottenham. The fact that City are going to go there and we are kind of salivating at the prospects of a really, really entertaining game of football. It's the type of f- football that Ange Postacoglu um told us when we met him back in November that he grew up watching, that he grew up loving. Um, He is a big fan of the FA Cup. And this was a little bit of what he talked about that day. 
my dad understood football. You know, that's that's the sport he understood and he, he wanted me to understand. So everything we experienced, whether that was as a family or me with my friends, made a massive impact on us. You know, maybe here it was just another FA Cup final, but for us, it was massive. You know, like. FA Cup night was such a big night because we always had the Scottish FA Cup, the English FA Cup, and it would be a, an all-nighter for us. And this is as a like eight, nine, ten-year-old, right? Who stays up all night? But it was such a big event for us. I got introduced to—I mean, I'm just like a kid half the time. I got introduced to Ozzy Ardillas, and I was buzzing, mate, because yeah. like he was—he was one of those ones who, uh, even in Australia, made such a massive impact, you know. And, and when I got the job, one of them. My two best mates, they said, mate, you've got to meet Aussie Idealist, you've got to meet Ricky V. I go, oh, I can't design it, but uh, it's still a buzz. You've yeah. ticked half of it off. Yeah, half of it, yeah, that's right. I was to Cogu there, talking to Chris and I earlier in the season about the FA Cup and referencing a meeting with Aussie Idealist, who, of course, with with his fellow Argentinian Ricky V, was a key part of that uh, Tottenham team that beat City in, the, in a replay in 1981. The FA Cup was everything to Spurs back then, Chris. Uh, they haven't won a trophy of any nature since 2008. Should they be viewing this game in isolation as as important as you and I think it should be? Or will they still, to really kind of dial it down and be a bit pragmatic and boring about it, will they still have one eye on the league fixtures that are coming up beyond that? I, d- I don't think he can think that way, uh, Ange Postacoglu. What I would say, I think if he has a regret from this season, it would have been possibly the team which he selected when they went out against uh, Fulham in the uh, in the Carabao Cup. They ended up going out on penalties, didn't they? Drew the game, he played a weakened team. He knows he, he, he can't afford to do that uh, against Manchester City in the FA Cup. I, 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 I think he totally realizes the importance of of trying to uh to win a trophy at Tottenham and how uh big that would be. I think Ange Postacoglu has won this season in terms of winning the Tottenham fans over because of his brand of football, but it would uh it would it would lift him into uh, some stratosphere if Tottenham can somehow uh, managed to win the FA Cup. And truth is, they knocked Manchester City out. I think we'd give them as good a chance as any team. But that's a big if. When you played uh, in FA Cup fixtures, I know it's I know it's a while ago. Maybe the FA maybe the FA Cup was more important to players then. How did you view it? Did you did you go into games viewing the FA Cup as a really big competition, or did you go into games with Blackburn and, and Chelsea, for example, thinking, oh, you know what? Um, Maybe want to take a bit of take a bit of a psychological breather. No, in in my era, which uh, wasn't really that long ago, Ian, I think the FA Cup had a, had a great importance. You you mentioned, uh, you know, we just played played the Ange Postecoglou clip. But I was brought up as a youngster on the the FA Cup. Um, you know, I, my first ever game was West Ham. Uh, first ever game I went to with my dad was West Ham winning uh, at Wembley 1-0, Trevor Brooking header. It was a big deal. It, it was everything, the FA Cup. There's no doubt that it's it's lost its sparkle, as has uh, the League Cup, because of top-flight clubs prioritising other competitions and prioritising uh, their league position. But I think it's every um, you know bit as big for me personally, but for, for players, I'm not so sure. It is. But what is interesting about both trophies, uh, certainly the League Cup more than the FA Cup, is it's the cup that nobody wants to win the League Cup until their team gets into the semi-finals. Absolutely. And then they're all desperate to win it. And it's a cup. Absolutely. And, and, and the League Cup is one where it's the first trophy of the season. 
it doesn't half take the pressure off. You look at Chelsea where they are at this moment in time. They're they're struggling. But just imagine if Poch wins the uh, the League Cup. That would be enormous for him in Chelsea, wouldn't it? Very quickly, is that the first FA Cup final you remember then, the West Ham Arsenal one? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is the yeah. first one I remember. And that was the first, yeah, first game I ever went to. Um, with my dad. Oh, you went to it? Yes, I went. Wow. To, I, I didn't. I didn't have an affiliation to to either club, so I'm, you know, I'm slightly confused how I ended up going to it. But that was that was the first yeah game I ever went to. Probably jibbed in, did you? Jibbed in, <laughs> jibbed in without a ticket. <laughs> no, under the turnstile, uh, over the turnstile. No, my dad was a school teacher, so at that particular time, so we wouldn't. Yeah, we wouldn't be doing that. That would have been all through the right channels. First one I remember was West Ham, another West Ham final. Uh, West Ham versus Fulham, 1975. 2-0 to West Ham. I'm 54, you know I am. Um, Hang on, it's a 19... How, yeah, I'd have, been, you... I'd have been four, five. I'd have been four or five. Yeah, I remember. I remember singing I'm Forever Blowing Bubbles in the garden. Well, I was brought up in Wigan. And I was in the garden before the West Ham Fulham FA Cup fan of seven, singing I'm forever blowing bubbles in the garden. Not a West Ham fan, as we know. Well, you don't know who I support, but I'm not a West Ham fan. Hold that thought. We'll be back right after this. Anyway, there we go. No one cares about our FA Cup memories. Um, what is important next week uh, is the end of the transfer window. And we will be here every day next week. Your favourite podcast will be will be available to you every single day, the final week of the window. Chris and I will do our normal show from the studio in, in Kensington on Monday morning. And we'll also do this show on Thursday. But in between, on Tuesday, Wednesday, and there'll be an extra show on Thursday and a wrap-up show on Friday. We will be all over the final week of the transfer window. We'll have guests on from our reporting staff. We'll have breaking news. We'll have updates. We'll have analysis. So make sure you don't miss it. Well, I, I've got to say, I hope it livens up a bit. Well, what, what, you mean the pod or the transfer window? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a dig at me then. Well, both. The, 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 the transfer window has been... Chris desperately awful hasn't it i'm in the middle of trying to persuade people to listen to this podcast every day next week please don't sit there and please don't sit there i'm sure it will please don't sit there and tell them that the key subject matter is crap okay so uh what won't what is unlikely to be boring is newport versus manchester united um in terms of uh potential for giant killing um, I would say it's probably quite small, but it's certainly a game to capture the imagination. Uh, Sunday, that Sunday that game takes place, Sunday afternoon. Seven, there are 73 places between Manchester United and Newport in League 2. And it's one of those games that the Newport supporters will be uh, looking forward to so much. Manchester United, Eric Ten Hag and his players will just be looking forward to getting it out of the way. Absolutely, this is this is a, a nightmare game for Eric Ten Hag. Even if he wins, he can't win. Uh, this is the type of game if he if he ends up losing. And it wasn't so long ago; I can't remember which season where Newport knocked out Leicester. Claude Poole was the Leicester manager, and he ended up that ended up being the catalyst for his sacking. He played a weakened side. I uh, can't remember what season it was in. I think he, he may have left Madison out or on the bench and, and he left Vardy out, something like that. Um, so this is a nightmare for, for Manchester United. We all expect them to win the game and we all expect them to win the game comfortably. But this this is a game where if Ten Hag loses it, the heat is really going to be on him. This is this is a game he cannot 
He cannot lose. Yeah, I mean, United have lost 14 of their 30 games in all competitions this season. I think if that were to go to 15 from 31, I think Ten Hag, um, obviously under scrutiny already from United's new investor, Jim Ratcliffe, would be in some bother. I don't think that will happen. I don't think they will lose. But before we get to um, a couple of the issues around it. There's a selection issue for Ten Hag that he has to get right. His goalkeeper, Andre Nana, is away at the African Cup of Nations, as we know. So Ten Hag has a choice between his number two, um, the Turkish goalkeeper, Alte Bayindia, or Tom Heaton, uh, kind of veteran English goalkeeper. Uh, There's quite a bit of chat about it um, in the newspapers and across lots of websites this morning about which way he will go. I have a strong view on it, but I'm I'm very, I've got a strong view on it, but very very keen to know what you, what your take is. They should be able to pop you in goal uh, and and win the game, Manchester United. I what what was the point of signing by Inder then? Uh, this is a you know a, a guy who's played for his country, a young goalkeeper who's played at Fenerbahce, which you know isn't an easy place to play. He's played over a hundred games, or he played over a hundred games for them. So why why are we having this? This big discussion, like, I mean, is he going to be nervous playing at Rodney Parade? Well, I, I mean, well, come, I, well on. I, come on. Listen, I'm, abs- I'm absolutely with you until that bit. I think he probably would be a bit nervous. Making, I mean, I, everything you've said there makes sense. Well, you get my point. I mean, you, you know, the Fenerbahce Galatasaray, do you think he's going to, you know, crap himself playing at Newport? I absolutely agree with you. Absolutely. He, and my view is he's the number two. He's been bought as Anana's understudy. If Anana's not available, he should play. Go in there, do your job. I agree with you. However, I'm not sure about that final statement of yours that he won't be nervous. It is Manchester United and it is the FA Cup and it is a slightly, um, let's say, unusual environment in which to make a debut. I think there would be On a nerves barometer, he would have played yeah. in in bigger games. Yeah, no, listen, I agree with you. I think the I think the the, the counter argument is that Tom Heaton, um, experienced player in all English conditions, will have played in, in this type of game before. Safe pair of hands to use that cliche. That's the counter argument. But I'm actually with when you. When are they? I'm when are they ever going to play him then? I'm with one if thing. I would say if he doesn't play yeah. at Newport, when are they ever going to play? Him? What 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 game would suit then? Yeah. Was he, he going to just play in bounce games? I mean, but, you know, do 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 they wait for a, a team to be relegated and then give him a chance of of playing against them? It's, it's, it's a ridiculous debate. But what was interesting, I thought, was that um, they that United held Anana back, didn't they, as long as they could before he went to AFCON to the point where he played his last game for United flew to the tournament and almost played again straight away. That, I thought, didn't show an awful... But that didn't show an awful lot of confidence in Bayinda, did it? To basically flex the rules as much as possible to keep an honour there. I thought that was telling. If I was Bayinda, I might be sitting there thinking, well, what's wrong with just giving me a game? Anyway... But that was against Tottenham, though, wasn't it? And, you know... And and Tottenham could have ended up a, a cricket score, and that was probably the worry. There could have been, you know, humiliation by Inder may have had to make a save. Across our platforms in the last week, there's been some terrific photographs of the facilities at um, Newport's uh, Rodney Parade Stadium in South Wales. Uh, obviously quite basic. Dressing rooms about the size of my bathroom here. 
um, uh, you know, the, um, the size the size of the pitch is, is, is apparently quite small. Um, the facilities for away supporters will be less than luxurious. But I think there's a point being missed here because the only thing that really affects big Premier League players when they come to matches like this is the playing surface. And I think the one thing that's changed over the years to make it much harder for lower league clubs or, or non-league clubs to beat bigger rivals bigger clubs is that everybody has got a good pitch these days even down to league two in fact i'm led to believe that the rodney parade surface has been voted league two pitch of the year two years running so that will suit manchester united down to the ground won't it and that will not be the leveler there's no doubt years ago that that uh the state of the pitches when um a top flight team played a, a lower league team that you know a potato field could turn it into a, a leveler and that, and that's what newport in my view you know or or where they would have stood a, a far greater opportunity because manchester united have superior players so it's 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 great and credit to the the groundsman that their pitch is in such beautiful condition and they've won an award but that gives them uh a far uh, less chance of, of beating Manchester United. And that's that's the truth. You know, back in the day, remember John Beck, Cambridge United, you know, got grew the grass long in the corners, uh, deflated the, uh, the footballs, um, kept the dressing rooms freezing cold for the opposition, all that sort of thing. Skullduggery, you know, any, just win anyhow. And uh, uh, you know that was that that was that was that was what some of the sort of lesser teams did back in the day. I love it. I love a leveller. I love John Beck for doing that. Do you remember? Do you remember John Aldridge at Tranmere about twenty odd years ago when Tranmere were on a, on a? I think they went on a run in the League Cup. I think they got to the final. I might be wrong, but they went on a, a good run in the League Cup. And Aldo was man, player manager at Tranmere. And he was up to everything. And they used to have, I think, it was Dave Challen, Dave Challoner, the long throw expert. And they used to have the ball boys giving him towels to wipe the ball down. They used to move. They used to leave spaces in the advertising hoardings so he could do an extra long run up to take them. And then. And of course, I think they played Bolton in a game. It was Sam Allardyce's Bolton. It might have been a semi-final of the League Cup or a quarter-final. And of course, Sam wasn't averse to long, a long throw in himself. But of course, when it was his player, there were no towels available. All the advertising hoardings were glued together with super glue. And he got upset about it. And I remember thinking, come on, Sam, if you had, if you were you, were John Aldridge, you'd do exactly the same. And I just think that that in situations like this, when United turn up in South Wales to find this beautiful playing surface, you wonder whether that's the first big, big step towards them winning this game. Man City went there, by the way, five years ago in the FA Cup and they won 4-1. Um, and I really wouldn't be surprised if it was a similar outcome this weekend. I don't know about you. Yep, yeah, uh, totally. You know, the Manchester United players uh, wouldn't care less about the size of the changing rooms and whether it's comfortable or not. Uh, and you're quite right. But when they go out on the pitch and, and have a look before the game, you know, if the surface is perfect, they know if they play to anywhere near their capability because the gap is so vast between Premier League and League Two. Obvious thing to say uh, that they should win this game comfortably. So Newport, Newport have got it wrong having a beautiful pitch. 
they'll all be work. Yeah, they've been bigging it up. Maybe they should have been digging it up. Um, they'll be um, all the United players will be wearing gloves anyway, so it doesn't matter how cold the dressing room is. Um, now the other um, we're going to go backwards a little bit. Now that's a Sunday game. The other the other big Friday night game is Chelsea at home to Aston Villa um, in the fourth round. A huge win for Chelsea in midweek. Batted Middlesbrough in the second leg of their Cowboy Cup semi final. I think Chelsea have improved under Pochettino, just not at the rate which I think most Chelsea fans uh, expected when he first went in. He had a difficult start to the season. There's no doubt about that. I think I think they lost to Villa at home. I think they lost to Forest at home early on and, and uh, Brentford off memory. And it was all pretty underwhelming and he's needed time to try and uh, gel a team together a, 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 and get them playing. But they are there are slow signs of, uh, of progress. So they'll go into this game, especially after walloping Middlesbrough scoring a barrel load of goals, which is... It's not been a, uh, always a struggle this season, but they seem to be getting there in the in the final third. But they'll fancy this one. Can Chelsea be the cup team this season? I'm really pleased to see Ben Chilwell back and playing well, by the way. I'm a big fan of Chilwell. I think he's a terrific left-back. And that's great news for, for Chelsea, but also, I think, for Gareth Southgate ahead of the Euros. Because I think if Chilwell should be, were to be fitting on form between now and the end of the summer, I think he's have, he'd have a good chance of getting back in, in that squad. Now, Pochettino... Has been talking or has been talking earlier in the week ahead of that Middlesbrough game about the atmosphere at Stamford Bridge. Uh, Pat Nevin has called the atmosphere at Stamford Bridge um, like a mausoleum on a rainy Monday. Um, that upset Pochettino a little bit, who went on to claim or appeared to claim that, that that's a hangover from the disappointing football played by his two predecessors, um, Graham Potter and Thomas Tuchel. Pochettino said, we are paying now for the effect of the last 18 months. The disappointment for the fans is coming from last season. Now, my view on that is very, very simple. If Chelsea fans are going to Stamford Bridge and don't sound like they're up for it and don't sound like they're enjoying it and aren't making any noise and any noise they make is the wrong type of noise, that's on Pochettino and his players. That's nothing to do with Graham Potter and Thomas Tuchel. Um. It it could be a mixture of uh, of everything. I think this is all on Todd Bowley, if 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 truth be told, and and taking over so Chelsea were the you know the the Michelin star club in London for for so long, weren't they? The, the you know the the go to place, winning lots of big trophies, had sort of Chef Tuchel, a German chef in charge when Bowley took over, and he was quite a feisty guy, wasn't he? Tuchel ended up falling out. Get the English chef uh, Potter in, and and it didn't really sort of work um, for, for for Graham Potter. So then, but that's, not, that's nothing it, to do with now. Um, well, it is because Chelsea fans were underwhelmed, and I, I thought you know Tuchel won a Champions League at Chelsea, but then it, it was all to do with the with 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 the takeover and what happened. You know, with their shiny new restaurant. Uh, you, you know, the owner uh, lavishing money left, right and centre and everybody expecting the, the food to to still be award-winning food. Uh, and it, but it didn't taste like that under, uh, under Graham Potter, whether you like it or not. Now, Pochettino has gone in and it's taken time and you can see they're slowly getting there. But with, with, the, uh, with the success they had over the previous 20 years under the Abramovich um, you know, regime when he owned the, uh, the restaurant, it's, you know, it, it, it's different under Bowley. And I think, you know, the... The, the the damage has been done by by Todd Bowley and the Chelsea fans aren't yet really buying into what's happened 
under him as much as anything. Just carrying on your slightly odd kind of restaurant analogy um, for a, for another 30 seconds here. If I go into a restaurant near where I live and it's under new management and the food's, and the food's bad and the, and the service is poor and the wine's corked and the heating's, and the heating's on too high, I blame the I blame the I blame the bloke I blame the manager in charge. I don't blame the bloke who had it before. So I don't understand why Pochettino should be able to blame a poor atmosphere at Stamford Bridge on somebody else's football. This is his football. It's his team. It's nonsense. It, 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 it is, but there has been. You can't deny there 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 hasn't been a knock on effect because of the take over. Well, hang on and, a minute. And, hang on a minute. And, and, and Tuchel and uh, and how that ended and you know Tuchel was feisty but but they you know they didn't get on by all accounts Tuchel and and Bowley Tuchel's a talented guy but then Graham Potter coming in and he you know he was given a chance but the football by Chelsea standards um was underwhelming by right. you know Listen I, I, I really don't like doing this but I'm going to bury you here. I'm going to bury you. What's the atmosphere like at Tottenham? The atmosphere like uh, Tottenham very good. What was it like under What was it like under Antonio Conte? Uh, Very bad. So there you go. So why? So so big hands can do it. How is how is that burying me? So so what what was Tottenham's twenty years then? uh, Twenty years previous. There's been no hand. It wasn't a history of winning. It was about. It was about. It was about a different brand of football at Tottenham. So you've hardly buried me. You buried yourself. The hangover from Conte's football at Tottenham lasted about a fortnight once Postacoglu walked through the door. Pochettino hasn't been able to do it at Chelsea. It's not necessarily his fault. But he's not been able to do it. So ultimately, if there's only if there's only one person responsible for this, it's him. Before we finish, I'm just he's going to mention, quickly going to mention um, Aston Villa, who who've, who've They've been fending uh, advances off for their reserve striker, John Duran, and West Ham have been interested in taking him, and Chelsea also interested in taking him. Um, Villa have said no. Even though he's not started a single Premier League game, they've said no. And I really like that, because Duran's made 14 Premier League appearances off the bench. It's a squad It's a squad game in the Premier League. I'm glad that, that uh, Unai Emery has recognised that and has shut the door on those deals, because... At this level, as as we know, Chris, it's not about the people who, who are in your team every week. It's often about the team. It's often about the people who you might need two or two or three weeks down the line. Yeah, uh, but you know the important thing is uh, from Unai Emery's point of view is that he keeps uh, Duran happy or you know happy enough. If if Duran was kicking and streaming and uh, uh, wanted out or wants out, I'm not aware that he does. Mm. Then it may become. Uh, you know, it may become difficult to keep him, but at this moment in time, as a young player, he's at a uh, at a successful team uh, mm. in Aston Villa. Uh, but it'll be interesting how this pans out because if he doesn't start to get a regular game, then we all understand that uh, that that talented players will want to move on and play at a club where he does get a regular game. Just going to say a couple of things before I finish, by the way. You and I are often quite strong on managers picking understrength under teams. We can, we can be quite critical of them for it. I do, however, think that if one manager has probably got an excuse to do so this weekend, it's probably Jurgen Klopp. Um, this kind of very imbalanced winter break, it's, I, I mean, it pains me even to call it a winter break, given that it's only been a break for clubs not involved in the FA Cup replays or the EFL Cup. It's a nonsense to me. Um, but anyway... Um, Klopp's team have been hard at it, while others haven't. Um, they've just beaten Fulham or just come through a two-legged tie against Fulham in the League Cup. 
they've got Norwich City at home in the FA Cup, and then they've got Chelsea, Chelsea at home next Wednesday in the league. Then they've got Arsenal in the league. Think that's a way. So if anyone's going to rest his players on this weekend, or is it would be underestimate Norwich City? I think if anyone what are could you be talking about. I think if anybody, the resurgent Norwich City. I think if anybody could be excused for resting players, um, it it's Klopp. Um, they lost one 0 anyway. to Leeds last night. They're hardly resurgent. Just quickly, quickly on Liverpool. Okay, mm. uh, so while we can feel a little bit sorry for Liverpool that they have had, uh, don't feel sorry injuries. for them. They, they, no, but they, but uh, no, I don't. But but their squad strength this season is exceptional. Last night, they could still bring Curtis Jones on. They could still bring Jotter on. By all accounts, Sobbers lies back for the weekend. Trent Alexander-Arnold is back for the weekend. Andy Robertson was back on the bench last night, uh, three months out. That's a big, big deal. So while uh, while Mo Sella, uh, is still out and he's going to be out for a while, they have some big guns coming back. and that's But that's the difference with them this season. And he's showing greater faith in the likes of Nunes and Jota, they're really stepping up for him. Yeah, it's a really, really good point. And I think the the rebuild of um, Liverpool by Klopp in the last 18 months has been exceptional. I doubted whether Liverpool could do it this season because of the churn of players. He's proving me wrong. Oliver Holt, our chief sports writer, wrote an excellent column about this um, in the pages of uh, the Daily Mail on Tuesday. It's still available, it's still out there on our digital platforms. Check it out. Some really good analysis by Ollie Holt on what Klopp's doing at Liverpool. I'm with you on that, Chris. He's doing an extraordinary job. And the depth that they have, the depth they have, is beginning to rival that of Manchester City, actually. I was listening to... And a young to... player, Kwanzaa. I've not seen a lot of him. Last night, blimey. Alongside uh, Virgil van Dijk, what a young talent he is. Every You know, everybody talked about uh, Connor Bradley in, in recent times. Like I get why, but I tell you, yeah, he's, he's going to be a player. And we've been talking and uh, a lot. Uh, we talked on our Monday pod, didn't we, a couple of weeks ago about the the fact that at Manchester City's training ground, it feels like you just go into and open a door to a room and find another Phil Foden sitting there waiting to come out and play for you. It's starting to feel a little bit like that at Liverpool as well. And um, that's exceptional and very heartening to see that. Right, that's it. That's all we've got time for um, today. Chris, you can go off and watch the highlights of the cricket from India. Um, I've got a column to write. Before we before we go, though, just a reminder that next week we'll have our regular shows from the studio on Monday. We'll do this one next Thursday, but there will also be our It's All Kicking Off Transfer Week specials. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday afternoon, and a wrap-up show on Friday. That's where you'll get your breaking stories from. That's where you get your analysis. That's where you get your information. You might get the odd bit of sense of humour as well. Make sure you join us for those well, you never know. Make sure you join us for those. This has been It's All Kicking Off. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you soon.